Well, I invite you to open up your Bibles this morning to 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Verse 1 this morning. I've shared with you before that God has taught me about listening to Him through practical experience. But He has also gotten me acquainted with some gifted preachers. He has brought some books like Peter Lord's Hearing God. Uh, what's Andy Stanley's dad's name? Huh? Charles Stanley. Charles Stanley's How to Listen to God. He's, Rick Warren's teachings have been instrumental in there. God uses gifted individuals to speak to our hearts. and So a lot of what I've been sharing with you comes from all of those sources and others. It's a lifetime process. It's not something that happens overnight. Baby Christians do not always tune in and recognize God's voice. But I think it is one of the most important things that we do. We need to learn how to listen and hear his voice. And it is so important that we know when it is God who is talking to us. We are continuing our series. And last week we talked about four ways that you can hear God speak. One of the ways is that God gives impressions to your mind. I told you last week we would come back and we would add to that a little bit this week because that whole idea of impressions in our minds leads to some confusion. If God gives impressions, how do I know they're really from God? How do I know that I'm not just talking to myself? Have you ever done that? You know, I find it very easy to substitute my desires in and think it's God speaking to me. The Bible says that even Satan can talk to us. He can't get in us, but he can talk to us, and he can influence us, and he can put things in our minds that shouldn't be there at all. He can even make it sound as if God's speaking. But it might just be some, something that we read on the internet. We need to be careful. So how do you know it's really from God? Not a big issue if you're just trying to decide where you're going to go eat this afternoon for lunch. Not a biggie. But if you're trying to figure out who to marry, or if you're trying to, to figure out whether you should make a major career change, it's important that you hear from God. You need to hear from Him. 1 John 4.1, reading it out of the English Standard Version says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. I want you to listen to that out of the Living Bible. It makes it even more pointed. Don't always believe everything you've heard just because somebody says it's a message from God. Test it first to see if it really is. Father, I know I'm just scratching the surface here. 
But these are important lessons that you have taught me over the years. And I pray that you will impress them on the hearts and the minds of the individuals here today. We need to know and be able to distinguish your voice from the other voices. We need to understand what you're trying to say to us. And so we ask that we would be protected. You would station angels all around. That your spirit would have a freedom to speak to our hearts today. And just to, in some cases, reinforce some things and in other cases, make us aware of some things so that we know how to distinguish your voice from that of the enemy and from our own voices and our own thoughts so that we can truly understand your will and live lives that will bring glory to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So today I'm going to share several ways, ways that I've learned over the years how you can, how you can distinguish whether it's God talking to you or not. Number one, you should be able to guess it already. Does it agree with the Bible? Does it agree with the Bible? God never contradicts his word. In Luke 23, 21, 33, he says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall never pass away. God will never tell you to ignore or disobey anything in this book. He, he doesn't say something one time, change his mind and say something another time. God is consistent. He is consistently talking to us in love. If he said it in the past, he's going to say it in the future. There is a consistency there that you will not find anyplace else. But we get ourselves in trouble when we doubt God's word, when we don't listen to what it says, when we don't listen and obey. We need to recognize that God will never be inconsistent with anything that he has already said. Most of God's will for you has already been spelled out in this book. And we will discover his will for us, not the specifics, but we will discover his will if we just read and get familiar with his work. There are a lot of things you really don't need to pray about. Uh, I've had people that have asked over the years, do you pray when you get up in the morning about whether you're going to go to church? And I say to them, no, that's a decision I've already made. If you're making that decision on Sunday morning, there's something wrong. The reality is you shouldn't even have to pray about it on Saturday night. It should be a decision you make and you just make it. I don't have to pray about witnessing per se because I know I need to do it. I just simply need to do it. I need to witness concerning a person's relationship with Jesus Christ and what he has done on their behalf. Now, there are times I need to pray for boldness, and I would ask you to pray for boldness for me as well as for yourself, because we do need to have that boldness because we get ourselves into positions and we're afraid to speak up. I always pray that God will prepare hearts that will be receptive to his message, that he will prepare the soil, so to speak, so that when the seed is sown, that it can take root. And it can flourish. 
And so I pray for people ahead of time. I pray for people that maybe I'm not even going to get a chance to witness to them, but I'm praying for them nonetheless. And I pray that God will orchestrate some divine appointments for me, that I might have that opportunity to talk to them about Jesus. And so I encourage you to pray along that way, but the simple act of witnessing? No, you don't need to pray whether you should witness or not. You know you should. That ought to be a given. Second thing I want to say to you, does it make you more like Christ? Does it make you more like Jesus? In Philippians 2.5, Paul exhorted them to have the mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. In other words, you need to live and think and act like Jesus Christ. You need to have his compassion within you. You need to have his characteristics in you. He is the standard by which we measure everything that we do. We don't compare ourselves to one another. You don't compare yourself to me. God forbid that you ever do that. But we look to Jesus. And we want to be like him. Not to be a God, but to be godly. To have character. To have love, joy, peace, patience. All those qualities that Jesus had in his life. He would never tell you to do anything that contradicts or hinders you from achieving that goal of being like Jesus. A practical application of what Christ-likeness is can be found in James chapter 3, verses 14 to 17. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. In other words, one of the ways that you know that that impression or that voice that you think you are hearing, if it causes bitterness, if it, if it causes envy, if it causes selfish ambition, it's not from God. He goes on to say in verse 16, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. God's wisdom is not selfish ambition. If you get an idea of how to promote yourself in a better way, how to achieve uh, more fame or instant fame, instant wealth or instant comfort, it's not from God. God doesn't give you ideas for self-promotion, for self-serving, for selfish ambition. On the other hand, if that thought is pure, then it's probably from God. If you get an impure thought, it is obviously not from God. His wisdom is peace-loving. Ideas from God promote harmony rather than conflict. If you get an idea that that's Promoting conflict, creating conflict, is probably not from God. You've got to think, what effect is this going to have on other people? How is it going to affect them? Will it hurt them? Will it harm them? Will it build them up or will it tear them down? Will it encourage them or will it discourage them? If it is genuine, it is going to be genuinely from God. It is going to be considerate. It's going to be compassionate. It'll be considerate of how other people are going to think. A lot of people say, well, God told me to do this, 
And then they just bowl everybody over. And they don't care how it hurts anybody because God told them to do it. Stop and think about that a moment. Does God ever tell you to bowl people over? No. Time after time, he says, speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. God's wisdom is considerate and compassionate of others. And so we need to be a little less dogmatic uh, and, and not insist that people think exactly like we think. And it will create a submissive spirit. Yes. If you've heard from God, you're not going to be arrogant and bragging about it. And yet some people think they have heard from God, but their, their, their behavior reveals that they really haven't heard from God because they're self-righteous, they're egotistical, uh, they put everybody else down if they don't agree with them. It's their way or the highway. I learned that lesson years ago. I had a gentleman, he says, I just speak the truth. Well, bless his heart. He spoke the truth all right, but he didn't do it with love. He didn't do it with love. And God's wisdom is full of mercy. Full of mercy. If you really heard a word from God, it is going to lead you and cause you to be more gracious toward people than judgmental. Now, we have to be discerning. There's no question about that because there are a lot of false prophets out in the world today and a lot of people that, that are preaching false, false doctrine and teaching false doctrine. But if it makes you more judgmental to where you are putting people down all the time and, and telling them always what they're doing wrong, if you're always criticizing people, I don't think you're hearing that from God. That's not the way Jesus lived and he's our model. Ask the question, would Jesus do this? How would Jesus approach this situation? Does it square up with the Bible? That's the first thing you need to ask. But secondly, does it make it more like Jesus? Would Jesus act this way? Now, third, when I'm trying to figure out whether I've gotten an idea from God or not, I have to ask the simple question, is it convicting rather than condemning? In 1 John chapter 16, verses 8 and 9, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Conviction is from God. Condemnation is from the devil. Conviction points a way to change. Condemnation just makes you feel crummy, makes you feel bad. Conviction of the Holy Spirit is definite and specific. The Lord will tell you exactly what you've done, whereas condemnation from the enemy is indefinite and vague. And you will feel guilty and you won't be able to identify any specific sin. Conviction is recognizable. You... If you've got something that is unconfessed and unforgiven, you will recognize... And it'll usually be in the immediate past. Think about that. Condemnation is imaginary. And you'll have a hard time putting your finger on it as to what, what, what it is. Unless, of course, it's something out of your past that you've already confessed to God and he's already wiped the slate clean and forgiven you of it. You know, the Holy Spirit will tell you how to take care of sin. It's got a definite solution to it. Whereas 
uh, conviction usually offers no solution. You're just left in that quandary of beating yourself up and feeling guilty. It's irrational. It's unscriptural. And the, soul, the pain in your soul intensifies as a result. Conviction always leads to action, to change. Condemnation just makes you feel bad. So when God is saying, he's going to say, here's something that's wrong in your life, and here's what you need to do to correct it. He'll give you specific things. Conviction by the Holy Spirit will lead to confession and repentance and then forgiveness. And you'll experience that cleansing. And the guilt feelings will leave. If they come back, it's Satan trying to get you under his thumb and to keep you there. Because if he can keep you there, he's got you right where he wants you. And you're not going to be growing as a Christian. You're not going to be growing in your walk. See, the devil says to you, you're worthless. You call yourself a Christian? Who do you think you are? You know, you, you try to live for God. You can't live for God. You can't do anything. You keep falling. You keep failing all the time. And too many Christians make the mistake of, of, of thinking that their low self-worth is God speaking to them. God's not going to beat you down. He's going to build you up. And you need to be able to tell the difference in the voices that are speaking inside. Your self-talk is one of the most defeating things that you can have in your life. If you're a Christian, you've got to put your faith in Christ. You've got to trust Him that He forgave you of your sin, past, present, and future. That if you have unrighteousness come into your life, that if you confess it to Him, if you agree with Him that what you said, did, or thought was wrong, that He will cleanse you of that. He'll wipe the slate clean. They were all nailed on the cross. That's why He said it is finished. It is paid for. It is done. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins to him, God can be depended on to forgive us and cleanse us from every wrong. He doesn't hold grudges. On the other hand, if you're feeling guilty about something, well, you need to recognize that Satan minimizes sin before you do it. Ah, that's no big deal. Go ahead and do it. But after you've done it, he's all oh, look what you did. Oh, you are so unworthy to be calling yourself a Christian. Look what you did. And you walk around feeling guilty because you blew it. He will maximize your sin. Even after you confess it. He will cry to defeat you. But here's one of the big elements that I've learned over the years years and through practical experience if no other way do you sense God's peace about it do you sense his peace 1 Corinthians 14.33 says God is not the God of confusion but of peace he doesn't want to leave you feeling confused confusion doesn't come from God Maybe coming from yourself. Maybe coming from other people. You may have people in your life that feed you things and have you all confused. It may be coming from the enemy, from the devil himself, but it's not coming from God. If you're feeling pressured or overwhelmed and driven to make some hasty decision, some major decision in your life, question it. 
Question it. That's not the way God works. You won't find, I, don't, I do not believe that you will find a single example in the Bible where God says, rush to make a major decision. The God of the Bible is a very patient one. And he would rather have you make the right decision than to have you make a quick decision. I would even say if you're considering coming to Christ today, you need to take the time and make the right decision. Don't let anybody try to manipulate you because if you are manipulated into making that decision, you will have doubts down the line. I made that decision to follow Christ when I was nine years old. When I was 18 or 19, I got to questioning it a little bit. And I got looking back and I got to thinking it through and I got to examining things. I came to the conclusion that yes, to the best of my knowledge, I knew that I had sinned and I needed to experience his forgiveness. And I knew that I had trusted Jesus to give me that forgiveness. And those doubts went away. But there's been many, a young person that later on in life has gotten to question and said, well, I did it to please my parents, or I did it to please my pastor, or I did it to please my Sunday school teacher. They felt pressured. God doesn't work that way. I believe that if you are honestly seeking God, that you will inevitably come to the right conclusion that you need to give your life to Christ, and you need to live for Him, and you need to live in a way in the way that God made you so that you will experience a fulfilling life, a life that is full of purpose. Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. If God is genuinely speaking to you and you think an idea is from God, then it ought to bring peace to your heart if you follow it. Worry and anxiety don't come from God. In fact, he says very clearly, do not be anxious. Do not worry. We're not command- we are commanded not to worry. So if you get an idea that results in worry, it's not from God, and you need to seek out his peace. I don't know how many times over the years my first impression has led me one direction, but the more that I prayed about it and thought about it, I didn't have God's peace. And I knew I had to re-examine that decision. Maybe you will experience the same thing. But you want to follow God, not because God is constantly beating you up and saying, do better. That's not the way God treats his children. He's already forgiven every sin in your life. He's already done that. You're on your way to heaven. Your heart ought to be full of gratitude. You want to want out of that gratitude, you ought to want to live for God and glorify Him. But there is nothing more vital in your life than hearing from God because you were made to have a personal relationship with Him. And if you miss out on that, then you have missed out on the purpose for which God created you. It may not be a big deal. If you're trying to decide whether you eat kicks or Cheerios in the morning or Rice Krispies, 
That ought not be a big deal to you. But there are many, many decisions in your life that you need to take the time and listen and ask him, God, what do you want me to do? What is the next step that I need to take with my family? What is the next step I need to take with my job? What is the next step I need to take in my relationship with you? God doesn't want to play games with you. He's not trying to confuse you. It's not a cat and mouse game that he plays. He's not saying, oh, let's see if you can figure out what I want you to do. Let's see how hard I can make it for you to figure out the puzzle. That's not the way God works. God's not sitting up in the sky there laughing at us, laughing at that wall that you keep running into. That's not the way God works toward his children. He wants you to know his will more than you want to know it. So the secret is getting to know him better. Better and better every day. The more you understand him, the better you know him, the easier it is to hear his voice in a split second when he wants to talk to you. So getting to know God better and staying in that relationship, that intimate relationship with him, with his word through prayer is important. You may say that you don't think you've ever heard God speak to you. It's a good indication that maybe you don't have a personal relationship with him because in John 8, 47, he said, whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason you do not hear them is that you are not of God. So if you've never heard God speak to you, it means you need to establish a personal relationship with him. And you do that by simply asking Jesus to forgive you of your sin, telling him you know you've done wrong and that you want to live your life for him in a personal relationship with him. Others of you as believers, and in the past, God's voice was clear to you. But right now it seems a little bit fuzzy, a little bit distant, as though there's static on the line and it's not a clear connection that you've got with God. How come you don't hear God like you used to hear him? I believe it's probably because you've allowed sin to come in and block that channel to your life. There's something wrong that has come between you and God. You've allowed it to come there. So you need to ask him to reveal it to you so that you can deal with it. Your heart may have grown hard. You may have had some circumstances come up in your life that that you've been unwilling to accept. How would a loving God allow that to happen in my life? And so as a result, you're not sensitive to God as you used to be. You need to come home to Jesus. Come home to Christ. Come home and say, I want to be able to talk with you and hear you talk with me. I I want you to guide me. I want you to help me to avoid the mistakes in in life. Direct me in the right, right way, Lord. Come to Jesus. That's the bottom line. Whether you know him or whether you've known him and there's something blocking that communication, you need to come to Jesus by faith, trusting him. He'll speak to you. 
if you go to Him earnestly, honestly, honestly with Him and honestly with yourself. You can't fool Him, but you can fool yourself. We put a facade on almost every day of our lives. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to strip that facade off to reveal us to ourselves when we look in the mirror. To see ourselves as he sees us. And that's the neat thing. When you come to know Jesus, he will convict you of sin, yes. But when he looks at you, he sees Jesus. Do you see Jesus when you look in the mirror? When you look at your actions, do you see Jesus? Listen for his voice and let him lovingly deal with you to his glory, to his honor. Let's pray. Father, we need to hear your voice crystal clear. We need to recognize those voices that we listen to so often that cause us to react in unrighteous ways and unchristlike ways. We confess those times when we've done that to you. We thank you that you have already forgiven us of that. We ask that you would cleanse us. We ask that you would empower us, strengthen us, so that we can walk and live a life that would bring glory and honor to you, so that we might be used as your witnesses in this world to share the love of Jesus with others. Thank you for including us in your plan. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.